I'm Jeff. I'm Kia. And I'm Craig. And we just watched Rosemary's Baby. The ABC Sunday Night Movie. The film you are about to see deals with the occult and the supernatural. Although edited for television, parental judgment and discretion are advised. Mia Farrow. Starring in Rosemary's Baby. Also starring John Cassavetes and co-starring Ruth Gordon, Sidney Blackmer, Morris Evans, and Ralph Bellamy. It's true. I hope you enjoyed that television spot I found. It's pretty incredible. <laughs> Jeff? Yes. This was your pick. That's right. I picked this. First. And, oh. <laughs> what? <laughs> what, what? Kia, let's slow down a moment. Oh. And talk about the synopsis of Rosemary's Baby. This is a synopsis off of IMDb. A young couple moves into an apartment only to be surrounded by peculiar neighbors and occurrences. When the wife becomes mysteriously pregnant, paranoia over the safety of her unborn child begins to control her life. Hmm. I don't think she becomes mysteriously pregnant. It's not like yeah. she's like, how did this happen? Yeah. Anyway, well, we all know how it happened. Let's <laughs> call it. There's some mystery surrounding the pregnancy, yeah. let's say. So, I picked this movie because yes. I've never seen it. It's one of those that's like considered a classic. And I right. was just like, hey, this is my opportunity to watch this one. So, And uh, Tarantino said it's one of his favorite movies ever. Oh, I didn't realize that. So, I was like, must be pretty decent. Yeah, let's watch it. <laughs> um, just, just to address the elephant in the room before we even get in and we might even cut this out uh how do we feel about you know polanski's reputation and what he did do we watch the movie differently knowing that stuff or did you just watch it straight um i mean i couldn't help but think of it like anytime i see roman polanski anything i that that's like in the back of my mind yeah so it's hard to yeah it's one of those things hard to separate that from I, I don't think I do, but I'm, I don't know. That's a slippery slope. If we want to sure. <laughs> go back and not listen to a lot of people or watch well, a lot of things. So well, I don't we know. watched it. I, that's it's not going to stop me from watching it. <laughs> like we still watched it and I still think I enjoyed it on a surface level without really thinking about it. But, you know, does it affect the movie at all? You know what I mean? Like your opinion of it at all? Um, I, never, I didn't really think about it, yeah, to yeah. be honest. I um, think um, I think more of him being married to Sharon Tate, yeah, and what what happened with that. For usually. sure. Yeah, I don't think it um, affects my opinion of the movie. I mean, I love Chinatown. It's a good movie. Yeah. What happened with Chinatown? He made it. Roman oh, Polanski I didn't know that. that. That's all I meant. I've is, never seen it. Uh, just his work in general, because uh, there's some people that I've heard they can watch. They feel okay for some reason watching the stuff before his conviction and before it came out. Like there's a pre-Polanski mm -hmm. and a post-Polanski world type yeah. of thing. Um, and this was Rosemary's Baby was af was, was before, before obviously yeah before yeah. the controversy and everything. So okay. um, anyway, hmm. now that that's been addressed, let's move on to the film itself. <laughs> well, that. Uh... <laughs> That being brought up already, the uh, the Polanski thing, it did. I did uh, think of it after the rape scene in the movie. <laughs> sure. Where yeah. uh, he's like, 
She's like, I had a nightmare. I was raped. He's like, oh, I wouldn't have had sex with you after you passed out. And I was like, well, then you were raped. Yeah. But then there's that thing. But then there was also, he was like, yeah, I gave it kind of like a necrophilia thing going on. I was like, what? <laughs> but this is, remember, this is also based on a book that I haven't, I haven't read it, so I don't know if yeah. that's straight up lifted from the book. Right, right. Well, so. um, it stands, stands to note that Polanski also wrote the screenplay, too. So he's the one that felt the need to include things or... Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you call it, focus, emphasis on certain things and that sort of thing too. So he was like the ultimate editor of the, of the yeah. movie in some ways because he wrote the script. So, And I think if like the, you know, the hot tub thing hadn't happened in real, in real life, I don't think I ever, I would have just thought like, oh, that's just like a weird thing that the, yeah. and it, I mean, ultimately it is. I think it's just like a, her husband is being seduced by <laughs> right. all them witches. Well, and um, <laughs> the novelist that wrote Rosemary's Baby, Ira Levin, he also wrote uh, The Separate Wives. So mm. he kind of has like a, especially in that era, um, he's kind of exploring, uh, I guess, domestic lives of women mm-hmm. in that era, like women that are uh, housewives and that, that sort of thing, and how they might be kind of, uh, I don't want to, uh, how do I say it? kind of abused by their husbands, I guess, for lack oh, of a better yeah. term, so, or manipulated by them, so. What's funny is the, like, most of the movie, I was like, all right, it was kind of, uh, it was a very slow-paced movie, mm. and at a certain point, I was like, I feel like the whole audience already kind of knows what's going on, like, it's taking her a, a little while to pick up on it, mm. but then it actually didn't occur to me that her husband was in on it. I just thought he was an asshole the whole movie. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's why he acts like that. Yeah. He's not just a prick. He's he's actually in on this, too. Spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah we jumped straight in, yeah. so it doesn't really... Um, Kia, what would you make of it? It'd been, you said you'd seen it before. Yes. Yeah, but it had been a little while. No, it was probably like a couple months ago. Really? I, put I didn't it realize on. you'd watch it so I like recently. to put movies on the background when I'm working. That was one of the ones I put on. In the background. So you, you liked it a couple months ago? I mean... I mean, I had seen it before then, too. I like I like it. I think it's one of those movies... It's For me, it's like The Exorcist. Like, mm. when you finally... It took me so long to see it. Like, I didn't see either one of these movies, Exorcist or Rosemary's Baby, as a kid. So I went through, like, you know, the whole... My, ch- my childhood and growing up, hearing that this is the scariest movie of all time and Rosemary's Baby is so scary. And then when you finally see it, you know, it's like... Eh. It's good, yeah. but the, I wasn't scared by The Exorcist, but I'm pretty sure I would have been scared if I had seen it yeah. as a kid. So I wasn't scared by by it, but um, it's I like it. Her act, I think her acting annoys me sometimes. Mia Farrow? <laughs> yeah, this whole doe-eyed personality. Oh, oh, guy, oh, oh. So like, <laughs> how, one, how old are you? Two, why are you acting like this? She twenty-three. Was she supposed? To, is she actually twenty-three in real life? Or yeah, I looked the it character? up when I was watching it. Yeah, because. Well, I found out some other information online after I watched the movie. Like, it has nothing to do with her performance, though. Just yeah. like she was married to Frank Sinatra, Sinatra and Usually, he like yeah. served her divorce papers while she was filming the movie. Oh wow! He didn't want her to do the movie because <clears throat> of him being Catholic or something, or just um, I don't know. Yeah, I Maybe he, he thought he was, it just was beneath her or something because it's horror. no. He he wanted her to be in that the detective movie that he was in, oh. and then she turned it down to do Rosemary's Baby, and he was he was very like mm-hmm. much against it because of the satanic aspect of it. Well, and, she made a good decision. Well, and uh, <laughs> I think this was Polanski's first like mainstream movie. I think he had only been doing kind of art house movies and stuff like that. So this is kind of seen as. 
I'm sure uh, taking a risk on like a yeah. young filmmaker and that versus whoever Sinatra was working with, which I'm yeah. sure was an established person. It's funny because I watched that show, The Movies That Made Us, on Netflix, and there's an episode on Die Hard, and apparently that movie, detect the detective that he was in, was sort of the prequel to Die Hard because he made that movie, and then uh, it was a big success for him and so they're like he was like let's do a sequel and the guy and it was based on a book and so they went to the guy that made the book and they were like hey can you write a sequel to this and he's like i, I guess and yeah. he starts writing it and it you know it took him a long time to make the book and then they wrote a script for it and all this and it had all these changes and switched hands so much and when they finally went to make they changed the name to die hard when they went to make it <laughs> and uh changed the name of the character and everything well no they, they hadn't changed the name of the character they uh, they they were contractually obligated to offer the role to Frank Sinatra. Oh, even though he was like sixty. Yeah, he was like, <laughs> at the time. Yeah. yeah, he was like really old, and they, they were like, "Well, we got this movie finally." Mm. He's like, "I'm too old. Get out of here." Mm. So the, his character in that detective movie is John McClane. No, because they oh. once once he was out, they're like they didn't really wanted to do it at that point anyway, because they're like, oh, "He's too old." Oh. And then and it, he's like it five, had, He was five years younger than like. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is going to be 60 when he does the It's different times, baby. <laughs> well, he's, I think he may have been like in his 70s. Oh, okay. But the, uh, yeah, so they, they changed the script up yeah. and did Die Hard. And wow. Now you know the rest of the very story. Cool. I know, too, that very briefly oh, Die Hard was considered as a sequel, potential, a potential sequel to Commando as well. Oh, really? There was a brief window where they were like, they want to make a sequel to Commando, and they had the script ready for mm -hmm. Die Hard, and they were like, let's put that character in this situation and but really? never came to so interesting yeah could have been a different world without yeah. bruce willis yeah. <laughs> well it quite the same level anyway well i'll say back to rosemary's baby i was like kia i didn't this is the first time i've seen it mm -hmm. and i didn't really like watch anything before it that talked about her or uh, put it in context of when it came out or any of that stuff so i was just watching it going like I don't think this is a horror movie. Like, I thought this was supposed to be a horror movie, and then, then I started feeling like, did I pick the wrong movie for the podcast? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it, you know, it was also kind of hard to take a bunch of elderly people seriously. Right. Um, especially when one of them is a, an actress I know from The Andy Griffith Show. Oh, and she okay. basically, she's acting exactly like she does on the Andy Griffith show, but she's like, hail Satan. You know? <laughs> Which one is that? Is that the Ruth Gordon? Is um, that the... I have to look it up real quick. Is that the one with the brown hair? I think, let me see. That I wanted to punch in the face. <laughs> there was one, uh, yeah, one of these elderly, <laughs> just for those of you that are listening, uh, in the story, there's uh, a young couple that occupy this apartment complex and they have nothing but elderly neighbors for some reason. And uh, they befriend uh, s some neighbors that are very close to them that are also elderly. But yeah, they become very busybody style and start kind of inserting themselves in this young couple's life. And uh, one of these elderly people really annoyed Kia to the point <laughs> where I thought there were issues. And it was partially because she sat on one of Rosemary's books, right? Wasn't that the first thing that yeah, kind of Yeah, Rosemary's set like settled in. She's got her book. She has her music on. She lays down on the couch and she's like, mm, mm, going to settle in. And those two neighbors knock on the door and they just barge in yeah. and they bring like their sewing and everything. And one of them, They're like knitting. Just yeah, yeah, knitting. Yeah. And one of them just sits down on her book. 
just yeah. doesn't even, she knows she's sitting on the book. <laughs> I just want, she's, and then she does some annoying stuff at the end and <laughs> just want to punch her right mm-hmm. in her face. The actress I'm talking about is Hope Summers. That's her on the Andy Griffith show there. Oh, that's and not I, her then. That's and I think she was also in that uh, Ghost of Mr. Chicken oh, okay. that we watched. I think. But look it up for yourselves if you want. <laughs> <laughs> it, the, the thing, too, about Mia Farrow in this movie, and it's probably speaking to the times of us watching this in 2020 versus when it came out 50 like, plus years yeah, ago. Yeah, exactly. Like when I saw her life, Okay, she's living in New York City yeah. as a domestic partner, and basically all she does in the movie anyway is like a little bit of laundry and like <laughs> puts together a couple snacks here and there. But otherwise, she has this wonderful life of like laying around reading and playing records all day. Yeah. And there was a piece of me that was just like, how am I supposed to sympathize with this person or <laughs> care about this person? Because... Like she had, as an adult, like a full-fledged adult, mm-hmm. she has this very charmed existence. You know what I mean? So, but but I guess, yeah. it, and on the other hand, she's kind of classic Gothic literature style of a very innocent person that's extremely vulnerable. So you're supposed to be, I guess, worried about her in the sense that she's very easily hurt. You know? Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, like I just, it's just crazy how the world was so much different. A while back, because I understand if she had children, one hundred percent. That's you know, you you stay home with kids. That, that that can be a job, but like, just to be like a young person married and and plus her out, husband was know. like, um, he's like trying to become an actor. He's not established, so it's like, how are you guys even affording just your lives in New York yeah. on whatever he's doing? And I think he was a little established, just not. Serious. He had been in like two plays. <clears throat> In some commercial, they were joking about commercials, yeah. right? Like he was in a like, commercial, yeah. and then he eventually does land something. Yeah, and the uh, it's also funny because I I didn't realize this going into the movie, but there's a certain scene where they show the outside of the building they live in, and I was right. like, "Holy shit, that's the Dakota! Dakota that's where yeah. John Lennon was shot, oh. and he lived there too." So it's really? like, you know, this guy's like a up and coming actor that's probably not making a ton of money, but. It, and his wife who doesn't work and then but they live in the same building as like the biggest rock star <laughs> well, in the world <laughs> for sure i mean and, and well, it, before that anyway i, I think that uh, for all in all fairness it's kind of like the exterior mm-hmm. that they just used for the movie because it's a cool looking building right i don't think that necessarily it's supposed to be a proximization exact. of yeah. that exact building because a lot of really famous people but lived there. their apartments were huge yeah they were very lavish it's yeah. true and we were kind of talking at the the beginning so i don't remember if they got if they're renting the apartment if they got it cheap because the other person had to leave and it's kind of like a friend situation where you just land a great apartment at a really low price yeah. we don't know but, also the the spoiler also i mean we've already given away a lot but the the grand design of Satan himself. Mm-hmm. He may have manipulated the situation for this young couple to end That's up true. in this building, yeah. uh, you know, supernaturally. We, uh, yeah, Cause there was clearly, if you talk about it, another lady, I guess they had in mind and I guess it didn't work out. Yeah. So I, uh, I wasn't sure if the lady had actually committed suicide or if the old couple had murdered her somehow. Or, oh, I think they murdered her because yeah. she was all, Oh, the lady we're talking about, uh, Rosemary's doing her laundry, and she sees another young lady in the basement, and they start talking, and they become friends. Mm-hmm. And this lady lives with two of the older people. They kind of took her in off the street. Um, and so she's been living with them, the main older couple, the Castavets. And then the next, like, it seems like the next day, but maybe it was a few 
a little bit longer. Um, she like is, you know, falls out of a window and they chalk it up to suicide, but why would she have killed herself? She was like living on the street and they took her into this really great apartment. And they, the older couple has uh, a cover story of, well, she had a lot of violent, uh, you know, like depressive uh, depression and that, Mm -hmm. that was really, uh, over the top and she could go into serious spells of it and everything. So they kind of had a nice cover up story. And since they're elderly, the cops don't even really consider it for a moment. They're yeah. just like, oh, what a shame. And that's kind of the and end of it. And she's also wearing a necklace that the Castavets later give to Rosemary. And that's part of it. Mm. Um, I forgot why it's part of it, but it's part of it, what they're trying to do. Yeah, it's so. like a, t- a talisman that has some kind of uh, weird herb slash fungus inside of it. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. uh, apparently smells really bad. Yeah, <laughs> and apparently has something to do with Satan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's alluded to that uh, in witchcraft, uh, like a senior witch had been wearing it at a certain mm-hmm. point in one of the books that they were looking at later in the movie. So. so, yeah, they probably, I don't know why she wouldn't have worked out. Maybe they thought, oh, here's a couple. This lady's a little bit more easily manipulated. Mm-hmm. The lady, we, the lady we took in, she was living on the street. She's probably a lot more with it and a fighter. Mm. And Rosemary is clearly no fighter. She's like 100 pounds. And, oh, my God, she wears baby doll dresses all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> Which, that was, the, that was the thing in the scene. There's just one scene. Rosemary. There's one scene where she's walking, like, across the hall. And she looks like a doe that has just learned to walk. Like yeah. a, a fawn that has just learned to walk. And I'm like... Is this just how she did it, or was the director like, we really want you to play up this innocent, youthful, childlike thing, which is weird. But Well, she was also supposed to be, like, they, they mentioned that when she got pregnant, she actually lost weight. Yeah. Mm. And so, you know, part of her, well, she was already really skinny at the beginning, but, like, she looked even more frail, like Gollum or something, <laughs> when, she, yeah. when she became pregnant. <laughs> And people were like, uh, I don't know if that's normal. It's terrible. <laughs> like, no, the doctor said this is what happens to everyone. I was like, I don't think so. No. Um, <laughs> do you think there's there's a way that you could have watched this movie, if it wasn't as big in pop culture, um, and just seen it as kind of like, you don't know where this is going? Mm-hmm. Like, do you think audiences at the time... Well, I think the novel was huge, by the way. So yeah. I think it was a very anticipated movie and, and that sort of thing. But like, I, I kind of wonder if there's a way you could watch this and go, oh, is this real? Like, are these people actually Satanist? And is she actually yeah. carrying the spawn of Satan? Or is she just uh, a very frail person that has buckled under the pressures of becoming a parent right. and you know having an aloof jerk husband or whatever? Mm-hmm. That Those things have compounded her and she's become, you know... Uh, I realize the way we punch out the ending totally reveals exactly what's going on, unless it's all yeah. in her head somehow. Um, but leading up to that moment, you know, do you think there's a way to watch this where it's suspenseful and you don't know what's going to happen next? I feel like sure. if you've never heard of it before, yeah. but now it seems like it's kind of become like in the lexicon or yeah. whatever. Like we all know, okay, it's, you know. I just feel like that's the intent for like the first yeah. hour or so yeah. is you're supposed to be going, ah, she just, you know, again, classic Gothic literature style, or we're supposed to be questioning her narrative kind mm-hmm. of and going. It's like the sixth sense. Know. Even yeah. if you've never seen it, everyone already, already knows. Oh, he, he was dead the whole time. Like, oh, spoiler. Watched, if you're a young oh, listener, man. I apologize. <laughs> but yeah, you know I, that now. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, uh, I saw a thing online where uh, Roman Polanski said that like he kind of kept it 
vague the mm. whole movie on purpose so that the audience would be kind of like is she does she have this all in her mind and it, like like you say like until the final reveal like he even when she goes to the doctor where she goes to see Charles Grodin and she's sure. like I want you to deliver my baby they're Satanists and he's like mm, right, right. <laughs> uh, let me go you just wait here and I'll go get your husband you know mm. right yeah. No, another thing, I actually didn't realize that was Charles Grodin until the movie was over. Like, every time they showed him, I was like, that guy looks so familiar. <laughs> Where do I know straight. him from? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and again, that's another thing. He wasn't being, like, funny. Yeah. And he looks like he's, like, 25. <laughs> Did you know who the Dr. Saperstein was played by? Uh, no. Ralph Bellamy. Who? You know, okay. That, I, I mentioned that to him, too, and you are like... She thinks it's a I household name, it, but... I, Ralph Bell... I'm pretty sure... Well, okay. He's been in a lot of things, but he was in The Wolfman. He was in, have you seen Trading Places? There's like these two homeless people on the Trading Places. He's one of them. And there's like another person that's homeless that's of note. They were like, you know, classic movie stars that they used. He was in Disorderlies. That's what I remember him from. Is that the one with the fat boys? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, When you see him as an older man, you'll recognize him. You'll recognize him for sure. He doesn't have a beard either. I think he's very... Disguised. He just looks like a totally different person, but no, no. But like, just 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 for reference, not to bust your chops too much here, Kia. But Mm. when you saw that name in the credits, you were like, "Oh, Ralph Bellamy (laughs) is in this." Like you did that. Like you knew exactly who he was without. His career spans sixty-two years. You're not answering my question, young lady. (laughs) Well, my life only spans (laughs) forty. But I just—he's to me—he just seems like he's always, even if I don't know what he's been in, this is one of those names that I'm just, yeah. yeah, It's like, but you like Mark Landau. It's like it's just a name that I've always known. Mm -hmm. You didn't recognize him though. No, he was like covered in. He looks totally different. He looks totally different. Trying to think, and one thing I did like about it, uh, because I feel like we're piling on it in negative senses. uh, I do like how mundane the Satanists are. Like, I like that they're, like, elderly, dorky-looking people Yeah. Uh, instead of, uh, you know, like, pop culture will have you believe they're, like, heavy metal kids. Yeah. They're sexy. Like, like goth, hot-topic-looking people or whatever. Yeah. And I like that these are, like, really... Because when we say elderly, like, pull no punches. These people are, like, in their 70s and 80s. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're really very old. old. <laughs> and, it, and to me... It's kind of like how sometimes in horror movies they'll manipulate like a young person to look creepy because mm-hmm. they'll say something scary, like Reagan and uh, The Exorcist yeah, yeah. saying, you know, some of the horrible things she does. It's kind of similar to the thing when when these elderly people who I associate very much so from where I'm from, I associate elderly people with being Christians and going mm-hmm. to church and never saying bad words. And these people are like, God is dead. Hell, Satan. <laughs> you know? And, and it, that to me, like, to be honest, even now, cynically, as an older person watching mm-hmm. it, I was like, whoa. Like, it, it yeah. took me a, a minute. Like, yeah. it wasn't comedic. Like, when I say it now, it's funny. But, like, in the moment, watching it, to be honest, it kind of affected me a little bit. And oh, I was yeah. like, oh. God is dead. Hell, Satan lives. You know, it, I guess it sounds like I was being kind of negative. But I, I didn't dislike the movie or anything. It's just, by today's standards, I feel like it isn't as scary but i can tell that um people who are a little older than us who saw it when it came out yeah you know like tarantino for example is just like oh it's one of the best scariest movies ever um and it probably because he saw it as a kid and also at if you put it in the context of the time that it came out there had never been anything like that sure. you know and 
And people were more God-fearing in that yeah. era, I think. Like, people actually cared about what, like, the Catholic League said about movies and how they rated yeah. them. And there was a whole subset of people, well, not subset, Catholics yeah. in the country that wouldn't see a movie because the Catholic Church basically said, hey, don't see this movie. Um, yeah, and I, so that was a big deal at the time. And Satanism was, like, on the rise. Not on the rise, but it was becoming, like, more, like, known in pop just culture. Because, yeah. like, like, the Rolling Stones had an album that had, like, Sat- satanic was in the title i forget mm. what it was called and then um uh the guy anton lavey anton lavey and there was another guy too who was on the cover of the white not the white album on sergeant pepper he was like one oh. of the people okay it's the guy that um uh jimmy page ended up living in his house years later hmm. anyway uh that kind of thing was kind of like becoming more in the public consciousness and i think this was part of it and then that led into the satanic panic that we had in the well, 80s. <laughs> I, I feel like after this movie came out, it was it Time Magazine uh, had a cover that said something like along the lines of "Is God Dead?" question mark <laughs> because of the rise of this type of oh, uh, yeah. you know movie and pop culture and that sort of thing. It Isn't really scared people back then. She's reading that at the doctor's office. Oh, is she really? Yeah. Oh, well, never mind. I, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's literally in the movie. <laughs> I remember when I was in high school, my I was really into the Doors. And my teacher was like, oh, I have a magazine that has an article about them in it. I'll bring it in and let you read it. She brought it in, and it was Life Magazine from 1968. Mm -hmm. And it had a a cover story. I don't know if it was a cover story, but it had a story about the Doors in it, and I was reading it. And they they kept referring to them as a satanic band, almost as if, like, satanic was a style of music. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Like, instead of saying a hard rock band, they're like, this satanic band comes from Los Angeles, California. (laughs) What? Yeah. Uh, real quick, is it Aleister Crowley? Is that who you're That's thinking it, of? Aleister Crowley. Because he yeah. was like a, a sorcerer. He saw, thought of himself as an actual wizard that <laughs> yeah. could actually manipulate events and whatnot. Yeah, yeah I think oh. he's the one where Jimmy Page uh, moved into his house yeah. years later when Led Zeppelin was really big. And that kind of fed into the mystique around the band. And sure. People thought, you know, Jimmy Page is a Satan worshiper. <laughs> I think we've become, become also so desensitized with horror movies and... Yeah. There's like so many of the horror movies and like it's, I mean, we've seen it all. We've seen so many, you know, demonic movies and supernatural sure. movies and just bloody movies and all kinds of things. So for us, Rosemary's Baby is not going to, because like The Changeling is considered one of the scariest movies of all time and it's really good and there's some creepy moments in it, but right. I'm like... Well, this isn't going to scare me. Absolutely. But and, it's and, good. It, but it's just one of those things as a fan of horror, you can see the DNA of how this is kind of like a prototype of so many movies that follow and yeah. how many things borrow from it. Um, so, so, I mean, it's definitely worth checking out just for that, I think. Um, and, and to its credit, like, even though we keep saying it's not scary, there is kind of a creeping dread to it and, like, an atmosphere I think they're creating. And I think it's kind of cool that there's no on-screen deaths. Like, the, yeah. not not one person gets killed. You, well, you know, there's no... St- the lady that falls out of the window. But she doesn't get killed on screen. No, but you do... You, that's the one bloody moment of the show. But she doesn't... Uh, yeah, but you oh. you see her body, but you don't mm-hmm. see her get pushed Actually out of a window or yeah. jump from a window. I don't think, right? No. So yeah. and then you like you're in super bright red, yeah. <laughs> blood looks the like paint. '60s era uh, yeah. hammer style yeah. blood, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know her friend Hutch is that his name? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's alluded to that he oh yeah becomes yeah. ill because of a curse, sort of. But we don't literally see it. We don't see him like. Uh, I like uh, I like their relationship. I like that they have this older person. They're a friend of theirs, or yeah. and he wrote like 
kid stories or stories yeah, or something. Like Hardy Boys style and, mysteries. Um, and yeah. they still kept in touch and he would come to the house and yeah. and he was immediately concerned about her and I like that. Like she had like, all her friends were good people. Her friends said, yeah. you are sick. This is not okay. This is not right. Yeah, yeah at, at a certain she point. Gets people uh, around her other than her husband. Rosemary throws a party uh, against everyone's wishes basically mm-hmm. in secret. She, she, you know, throws a party to invite all of her uh, age-appropriate friends. I yeah. her lime, and she's like, it's a very special party. You have to be under 60 to get in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then Ruth Gordon's character is just trying to insert herself so much into this yeah. party. She's like, well, I'll help you serve. I'll, I'll, I'll take people's coats, like that whole thing. And she's like, no, 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 you do enough. Get out. You know? Yeah. Um, it's also kind of funny. I, you almost sense that the, uh, the neighbors are kind of jealous that they already have an older friend. Like, oh, there's another old man here? I thought we were your old friends. Like, it's super weird when Hutch is there visiting her, and Mr. Castavet, Roman Castavet, comes to visit, and he's like, oh, you know, you're entertaining? She's like, oh, yes, an old friend. And he's still just standing there, and she's like, well, you want to meet him? And he's like, yes. I'm like, that's, no, that's weird. But they're very open to these older people, just, you know. Yeah, I think one of, uh, one of Rosemary's downfalls is... She's horribly polite. Horribly. Yeah, <laughs> she should have told him, like, look, you guys got to go. Yeah. Like, well, but also, she's from, the, like, Iowa or Idaho or Wyoming, something. Wyoming. Wyoming, yeah, someplace. And, uh, and in the very, very beginning, uh, you know, they, Ruth Gordon introduces herself and kind of guilt trips her into hanging out that night. Yeah. And when she proposes going over there to Bud, her husband, you know, Nick, Nick, is it John? John. John. Yes. Um, he is like, yeah, I don't really want to go. Like, he's kind uh-huh. of an asshole about it. And she... He slowly agrees to go over there. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, too, thinking that potentially they wouldn't have gone over there if he had put his foot down and just been a jerk about it. And yeah. maybe it would have ended there. Probably not. They probably would have mm-hmm. kept at it. But They're like, no, we want you guys to get pregnant so we can... <laughs> what do you think of some of the, the other performances? We talked a little bit about Mia Farrow and Ruth Gordon, but what about, like, say, for instance, John Cassavetes? Well, think about quick thing about Mia Farrow. I did like when she was angry. Yeah. Like, she was a good screamer or whatever. And that scene at the end, um, there's, like, a there's a Oscar tribute video that they do. And it was, like, um, 90 years of Oscars. So I think it was a couple years ago. They did this really cool, like... Um, montage. Montage of all these movies going back to, like, Frankenstein was in there. And, yeah. And the, the scene that they used from Rosemary's Baby was at the end where she's looking at them and she's yelling and... What are you talking about, guys? I so normal. Satan is his father, not Guy. Her screaming is like, it was very effective. So when she did that, I was like, oh, that's good. She's got it in her. And that little body of hers. <laughs> what was your question? I was just uh, trying to talk about something other than... The other actors. Yeah, just, you know, oh, John yeah. Cassavetes. Like some of the smaller performances, you know. The, uh, the one Satan-worshipping old lady who has the glasses, who was like there when Rosemary woke up. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I heard a baby crying. She's like, mm-hmm. oh, no, don't worry about that. Yeah, that's uh, the one I want to punch in the face. <laughs> yeah, she... It was she was kind of comical to me, like uh, especially when she was like rocking the, the yeah. bassinet this, at the end. Kia just could not stand that woman, but <laughs> I thought she was funny too. There was a really funny line where, uh, uh, <laughs> where uh, 
I forgot, uh, Rosemary said something to her that kind of offended her. Mm-hmm. And she said something along the lines of, I'll kill her. I don't care. Breast milk or not, I'll kill her. Like, she said something <laughs> yeah, along those like, lines. I was like, that's really funny. Like, like, milk or no milk. Yeah. <laughs> like, basically, the only reason they were keeping her alive at a certain point was to get the breast milk, yeah. you know, for the baby. <laughs> I thought her husband was very good. Yeah. Um, John Cassavetes. And yeah. I thought everyone was was good. The only issues I had was when she was doing her little... her her soft-spoken thing, but I don't know if, again, if that was just direction. Yeah, I think, I think that was yeah. safe to say direction and trying to make her really vulnerable. And plus mm-hmm. when she takes the turn at the end where she's, you know, kind of coming into her own, mm-hmm. it's a little more dramatic, I guess. So The person that she talks to, a little trivia that she talks to on the phone, because her husband finally lands a good job, but it's because another actor, like, goes blind. And you later learn that that's because he's gotten involved with these Satanists and they kind of helped him out a little bit. And at, towards the end of the movie, Rosemary is talking to that actor on the phone. They, the trivia is that she didn't know who it was going to be on the phone when she talked to him, but um, it was Tony Curtis. Oh. I thought that was pretty interesting. You said she didn't know. <laughs> she didn't know. And so it's like she's – the trivia says something's like you can kind of see her like trying to figure like out. She re- recognizes the voice, but it's quite yeah. – yeah. Hmm, I just thought that was cool. cool. <laughs> Another bit of trivia is the scene when she's pregnant and she's walking across the street. Oh, yeah. That apparently mm-hmm. Roman Polanski was just like, just go. No one's going to hit a pregnant lady. Yeah. So. Those are she real almost looked like she got hit, too. Yeah. yeah. There, <laughs> there are people you can see on the, the bystanders that aren't really extras. Mm-hmm. They're like, mm-hmm. what is this? What's going on? Like, they're filming like, something and they didn't like, tell anyone. So not like, having a baby? Yeah. Like, yeah. They, they seem very uh, annoyed. And, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I, I heard about that online, and then they said that um, they did it a few times, oh, and then, but they ended up just using the first take. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I think uh, one and done's good. <laughs> um, you mentioned that she was getting, going through the divorce. Do you remember in um, My Name is Dolomite, Wesley Snipes' character? What's the part? Well, it's actually not written yet, brother, but you open to your Whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. I am legit, man. I have an agent. I have an entertainment lawyer. Well, you just thought you was gonna walk up in here and make a deal, huh? Just because you're lucky enough to find me in the strip joint. He mentions being in Rosemary's baby. He's the um, the elevator guy. Good evening, Mrs. Woodhouse. Oh. <laughs> He's like, I've worked with Polanski, and like he just had like two lines. So it was interesting and... to see him in Rosemary's Baby being all like Rosemary and. <laughs> You know, and then on Dolomite, he's all like, I was in Rosemary, baby, baby. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, when she's having the, the, the rape scene, when um, in her mind. Oh, God. <laughs> in her no, mind. No, I know what you're going to say. Oh, in her mind, it's, um, she's seeing, you know, it's like, it's a demon, basically. Mm. It's, I guess, and it turns out that it's for real, it's a demon. So she doesn't really know that it's her husband. But um, it's all very ethereal and dreamlike. And she says, this is no dream. This is really happening. And I was like, is that just for the audience? Yeah, it's like so, <laughs> it's a weird it's thing to say. It's an odd choice. It seems so on the nose <laughs> for a character in a movie to say, like, this is not, this, this is real. This is not a dream. This is really happening. Like, it just seems very comical. Yeah. It's like they did a test screening and people were like, was that real or not? And like, we got to put a line in there to make people know. <laughs> and Mia Farrow thought it was so ridiculous that she delivered the line in yeah. like a very, like, looking at the camera style. Yeah. Mm. It was weird. Um, you came up with a question that you you questioned why was everyone old? 
Like, they don't really have many young Satanists. Yeah, like, at the end, when we see all the Satanists gathered, there's only a couple of under 60, we'll say, or yeah. uh, Satanists. Why do you think that was? Why do you think all the Satanists are elderly people, for the most part? Well, they need to get some uh, new campaigning going to get some younger people <laughs> in, you know, get the cool people going. <laughs> no, I don't know. That might have something to do with it. I mean, I don't know. Maybe... Maybe they were cool, and then they just couldn't convince anyone. They just got older, and now they're just, yeah, maybe they just, I don't know, outreach. Like, like you were saying, it reminds me of, like, old church people. So maybe it's just, like, the satanic version of old church people. Right. Well, and, and, you know, you know, you mentioned we brought up the Time magazine, you know, Is God Dead thing. Satanism was kind of on the mind a little bit. So maybe they wanted to play around the idea of, like, they were picturing people like, you know, uh, Mick Jagger and yeah. that. so maybe they wanted to play around with like hey it's not who you suspect it's like mm. your yeah. next door neighbor it's the that least seems to, people yeah. that seem to be the least right yeah. imposing or whatever I, I wonder too if it was commentary on you know the 60s that whole idea like never trust anyone over 30 thing oh yeah and yeah. like you know the man mm. and whatnot uh-huh. so it's like the authority yeah. figures are the ones that are actually yeah. Satanists kind of corrupting the youth yeah. that's interesting know. yeah because it turns out her doctor's in on it right right um my other question was, do you think Guy was just super convinced? <laughs> because yeah. it didn't take much convincing. Because that first dinner where they, the Castavets invite him over, they're eating and everything's cool. And then Rosemary goes into the kitchen with the, the, the wife. And Guy stays in the room and smokes with the husband. And when they come back into the room where they're smoking, you can kind of see that they've, they've been engaged in a, in a serious conversation. And then after that, he's pretty much like, He's pretty much with the Satanist. Mm. It could have been that, like, more time passed than they actually showed, though. Because they, apparently they were, like, over there for a while. Yeah. So it could have just been that, like, you're supposed to assume that they had maybe talked longer than they showed. But maybe it just, also didn't take much convincing, like, hey, you know what? If you uh, give us that baby, we'll give you, success. you will be a huge movie star. And he's like, hmm, yeah, we could always have another one. And, and, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. That's what, literally what he says at the yeah. end. Yeah. And, and Guy talks about, like, the very next day, he wants to go right back over and talk some more with that couple. And, she, yeah. and Rosemary's kind of like, what? Like, yeah, it, already, it seems yeah. like he's already been He's seduced a little seduced. bit, maybe. Yeah. And when they're, when they're at, that, at, their, at that dinner and they're eating dessert, I noticed this, I think I'm just making this up, but, or it happened, but interpreting it differently. The older lady, Mrs. Castavet, is like giving her giving him a piece of dessert, but she uses the same fork that she just had in her mouth. Oh yeah, that is. So I was like, did that transfer something over to him or something? That I think that was just just gross. Gross old lady spit. Yeah, I think it was just a gross (laughs) moment that was unintentional. I do. I I will say I I do like how this movie, and I guess a lot of older movies and some current movies. Because um, when I first saw this movie, I wanted to see what the baby looked like. Mm. So I think it's cool that you you, you don't, I guess. Yeah. Because um, you might be let down. It might look silly. It might take away from everything. I thought of that, too, because I was like, are they going to show the baby? And then they didn't. I was like, it's probably a good thing because in like, the late 60s, they, they would have had to either like make a fake baby that would have looked super fake yeah. or they would have had to like put makeup on a real baby, which would have looked ridiculous. <laughs> so it's like maybe it's best that they just didn't show it. But. I- I actually never considered this. It's just because like a baby goat or something. Yeah. <laughs> they claim it has, yeah, it has its eye, the eyes of yeah. its, father its father and its hands and feet. So like a cloven? Oh, they did mention that. They didn't did they? mention that. Yeah. yeah. So Isn't like, that creepy? Is it, is it literally like 
at least as a baby, maybe it grows into a human as yeah. it you know progresses. But she almost seems like cool. she's a bit seduced when she sees the baby, though. Oh, at definitely. the end, do, do you think she like? It's like yeah, you know what? I'll help you raise this devil baby. Or did do you think she? I don't think she's. Along or? I don't think she's seduced by the Satanist. I think she's overcome by her desire to be a mother. Mm. Yeah, good call. Because that's what the older guy, Roman Castavet, he says: just be a mother to your baby. Yeah. So you don't have to join up. You can just be a mom. Yeah. yeah. But that makes me think of like what will happen. Like if she's not being seduced by the Satanists, if she's just wanting to be a mother when at a certain point, will she be like, I'm gonna try to save this kid. Mm. We're going to run away. We'll never know. If it was made today, there would be like a thousand sequels. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But there's mm. been remakes. I've there, never seen any of them. There was also a made for television sequel mm-hmm. in the seventies that was like whatever happened to Rosemary's Baby, I think is what it was called. Then Rosemary's Baby has come of age. For a birthday boy. Satan has come to reclaim his son. No! Due to mature subject matter, parental discretion is advised. Look what's happened to Rosemary's baby right after Paul Lynn. And there's a novelization sequel as well from, oh. from the From the same author? Yeah. Oh, that could be. Yeah. I might be, like to read that book. Also, real quickly, I think probably when there's a scene where she comes in with her hair cut super short, like a little oh, pixie. Oh, yeah. That's probably was like the Felicity moment for the 60s because. <laughs> it's Fidel Sassoon. It's Fidel Sassoon. <laughs> and everyone's such a jerk about it. I know. It. Everyone was so was like, oh, mean it's ugly. About it. yeah. You shouldn't have done that. Your hair her is husband, ugly. Her husband's ugly. like, I think the, <laughs> the biggest mistake you made was that haircut. Yeah, it's, it's, it's striking to me how, how mean people were oh, about it. Yeah. yeah. Well. I liked it. <laughs> Rosemary, I love your haircut. I, I also liked it when Felicity cut her hair. I was the yeah, one that was guy funny. that liked it. Mm. Although she yeah. does have a great head of hair. Yeah. Carrie Russell. So. Yeah. Well, on that note, Rosemary's baby. We're going to grade it? <laughs> I will give it a, mm, a, uh, a B minus. Oh, I give it a B minus. Yeah, I, I, I hate to agree, okay. but B minus. I think that's a solid. That's still good though, because yeah. that basically means yeah, it's it's good, but it's more historical context type of yeah. situation maybe. So, I'm Jeff. I'm Kia. And I'm Craig. And, and we, we just, just reviewed, reviewed Rosemary's Baby. Baby. The next award is for the best performance by an actress in a supporting role. Rachel Rachel Estelle Parsons, for The Heart is a Lonely Hunter, Sandra Locke, for Funny Girl, Kay Medford, for Rosemary's Baby, Ruth Gordon, for Faces, Lynn Carlin. The winner is Ruth Gordon and Rosemary's Baby. Um, I, I can't tell you how encouraging a thing like this is. that I was ever in was in 1915, and here we are, and it's 1969. Actually, I don't know why it took me so long, though I don't think, you know, that I'm backward. (laughs) Anyway, thank you, Bill, thank you, Bob, thank you, Roman, and thank you, Mia, and thank all of you who voted for me, and all of you who didn't, please excuse me. Time once again for Half-Assed Horror Trivia! 
ask for a trivia. Hell Satan. Oh. Another Craig Garrett horror Gosh. trivia extravaganza. No, no Hell Satan. <laughs> Question one. The word Satan means what in Hebrew? Kia. Yes. Self? Incorrect. Damn it. Options. A. Evil. B. Adversary. C. Liar. D. Fornicator. Hmm. Uh, liar. Incorrect. It is B. Adversary. <laughs> also sometimes translated as a poser. Hmm. What a poser. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Ruth Gordon was born on the eve of what holiday? Jeff. Yes. Halloween. Correct. Yeah. Oh, man. Ruth was born October 30th, 1896. Damn. Damn. <laughs> Who said, I feel guilty that Rosemary's baby led to the exorcist, the omen, a whole generation has been exposed, has more belief in Satan? Kia. Yes. Mia Farrow? Incorrect. I'll say <laughs> Roman Polanski. Incorrect. Ira Eleven. Novelist Ira Eleven continued, and I feel that the strong fundamentalism we have would not be as strong if there hadn't been so many of these books. Did of he course, write a sequel? As I was saying before I was interrupted. <laughs> He goes on to say, of course, I didn't send back any of the royalty checks. Mm. <laughs> True mm. or false? Ira Levin believed in the devil. Kia. Yes. False. Correct. He was a Jewish atheist. Oh, so he believes in nothing. Carry on. <laughs> Ira Levin also wrote what best-selling novel that would later become a film story? Kia. Okay, you left out a very important component oh, of the question. Go ahead. No. <laughs> The Stepford Wives? He did write that best-selling novel, but that's not what I was asking for. What's the question? Ira Levin also wrote what best-selling novel that would later become a film starring Sharon Stone? Basic Instinct. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I thought. Incorrect. It was Sliver. He wrote uh, oh. the novel Sliver. <laughs> What's that one where she moves into the weird condo? That's it. That's it. Sliver. sliver. Yeah. I saw that in the theaters, by the way. <laughs> That's not you would have been like 11 or something. I saw like a soft porn <laughs> in the theater. Okay. What iconic horror actor lived in the Dakota building, which was used as the exterior for Rosemary's home? I just heard this like yesterday and I forgot who it was. Iconic horror actor lived in the Dakota building. Kia. Yes. Vincent Price. Incorrect. Options. A, Tony Todd, B, Kane Hodder, C, Boris Karloff, D, Lon Chaney Jr. Lon Chaney Jr.? Incorrect. It was Boris. I was going to guess hmm. him, but I, was, I just did not. Maybe I didn't hear that. Uh, there's a lot of notable people that have lived there, obviously. We mentioned earlier uh, John Lennon, Yoko mm -hmm. Ono, uh, Lauren Bacall. Uh, we got, uh, I had a big list, but none of them were really joined. Oh, Jack Palance, Maury... Mm -hmm. Povich, oh. Gilda Radner, Rex oh. Reed, Jason Robards. So quite a few. Maybe I did hear Boris Karloff. I don't know why I would have forgotten yeah. there was Boris Karloff. Yeah, it jumped out to me. That's why I included it. Dang it. Huh. Anyway, 
Uh, yeah, I just I watched a couple of YouTube videos about Rosemary's Baby yeah. to kind of prepare. So. Moving on, how many children does Mia Farrow have? Jeff. Yes. Three. Incorrect. Well, I know I know the name of just one. Um, four. Incorrect. Fourteen. What? Pharaoh no, has four biological children oh. and ten adopted. Oh. Still. Oh, she's adopted them herself. Yes. Okay, I got it. If you would like half a point, or I mean one point. For what? Because you, you guessed four, and that she does have four biological children. Oh, I'll play fair. Very well. <laughs> Which of the following actors have never played the devil? A. John Ritter. B. Chris Sarandon. C. Bill Cosby. D. Billy Crystal. Which one did not play the devil? Jeff. Yes. Uh, Sarandon. Correct! <laughs> Billy Crystal played the devil in Deconstructing Harry. Bill Cosby in The Devil and Max Devlin from 1980. John Ritter, Holy Moses. And uh, Chris Sarandon, he played Jesus Christ in the 1980 television film The Day Christ Died. <laughs> what is the original meaning of Devil's Advocate? The original meaning? The original meaning of the Devil's Advocate. Original meaning? Yeah, what, 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 what did that first applied to before it became in our lexicon. Oh. Kia. Yes. Shit. Um. Oh, before it became part of the lexicon. Yes. <laughs> You're really putting yourself out there this time. You're just answering without um, going for it. Oh. Uh, um. How many words are in this answer? It's it's a pretty okay, uh, thorough that's answer. That's Um. To. Uh. Mm. Shit. No! I know what I want to say, but I don't know how to say it. Like, to play... Okay. Well, no, what, what would you... To, to, to... Like, an opposing idea. I can't well, that, That's what it means now. I know. But I meant the original... Before. Yeah, I know. What, what, did, what did it originally apply to? Are there options? There are. Oh, I'll take options. A, a person appointed to oppose the canonation of a new saint. B, a doctor that has often gone to for a second opinion. C, a pastor that steals another congregation for their own. D, a Southern Baptist slaying for Catholics. What is the original meaning? I'll say C. Incorrect. It's actually A, a person appointed to oppose hmm. appointing a new saint. Hmm. So someone's supposed to kind of come in and go, yeah. like, they shouldn't be a saint. You know, that whole thing. An so. opposing idea. That's well, no, you're right. That is what that means now. Anyway. But that's not what I was looking for. Okay. What is the date of Rosemary's baby's birth in the film? Jeff. Yes. Was it December 25th, 1966? Incorrect. Seven? Eight? Incorrect. <laughs> um, um, oh, it was after New Year's. I know that. Was Sorry. it like... Was it... um? There are June 6, 1966. Is that your official answer? This is going to... Yes. Incorrect. Oh, my God. June 25th, 1966. So you both were kind of straddling the answer there. Yeah, because uh, I remember there would be there was like a Christmas party. Right, right. That's what made me think that, but... Uh, 
when she went to the doctor's office when she was pregnant, yeah. it was like 94 degrees outside. That's well, right, yeah. June 25th, the anti-Christmas in the sixth month of the year 1966. According okay. to the novel, the old satanic prophecy pinpointed this date of the birth of the Antichrist. Hmm. Interesting. That was the final uh, Oh, well. Jeff won final score four to two. Jeff Lorenzo, champion. In the house. Ah, uh, yeah. Kia, you have a segment. I do. That you like to gift to us. I do. It's a segment where I take two characters or multiple characters, put them in a ring, and see who's going to come out on top. And my segment called I Want the Champ. be a little bit different. This was in, recommended by Craig to yeah. do a cage match. <laughs> so the cage match will be Sat- the Satanist of Rosemary's Baby. God is dead! Satan, Satan lives! The year is one! Versus the Sawyers from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You got one choice, boy. Sex or the saw. Sex is, uh, nobody knows. But the saw... The saw is family. It's family. Why don't granddad hears about this? So we've got numbers on the side of the Rosemary Baby Satanist, because mm-hmm. there's quite a few. There's like yeah. a 20-ish of them, if not more. The Sawyers only have four, but only three are able-bodied. Well, should we, we can take four of our most able-bodied Satanist. Oh, a cage match means, though, there could be... Like, as many as you want. Oh, I know. I just didn't know if you wanted it to be even. No. Oh, okay. I, I don't. It's 20 Satanists versus... Because if it's even, then the Sawyers could destroy them without even... Oh, yeah. Well, maybe. If it's a four-on-four, four, then... Yeah, they're... I don't, I don't see the Satanists as being big fighters. Yeah. Well, they are Satanists. I don't know. You see that one lady who used to hang out with Aunt B? <laughs> I could just push her down. She'd be like, oh, I broke my wrist. But... <laughs> My argument is that there are a lot of men in this in this this group of Satanists. Many of them probably fought in like World War One, possibly World War Two, possibly yeah. World War Two. So I think they might have some strategies. I think they might be, you know, a little bit more, definitely more mentally there than the Sawyers. Be craftier. Craftier, and, and they else? can just like feed the Sawyers their desserts. And then just seduce them. <laughs> I feel like they're they're weaker bodied though because of their age, and uh, it's sort of that thing of like how many how many like four year olds do you think you could beat up? <laughs> like right, right. I think I could probably take about sixteen four year olds at once. Just brr, brr, um, before they overwhelm you. Yeah. Before I'm like, no, I can't. No, yeah. But uh. I feel I feel like the Sawyers would probably still be able to hold their own, especially with like I don't know. They just seem crazy. Like they would just go 
Well, but, wow, not I also people. don't think the Sawyers would have any like they would not have any hesitation with killing a bunch of elderly people. Yeah, the average person would be like, "Oh, they're elderly. I'll pull some punches." But I yeah. think pretty much everyone in the Sawyer clan, I mean, especially Chop Top, he would just be like, you know, stabbing <laughs> them left let's and right. Let's think about this. No problem. Let's think about this. Yeah, I don't know anything about the sequel, so I'm gonna just the, take the sequel out to the Rosemary's Baby or whatever. Oh, sure, yeah. So, so what if? Now that Satan's baby has been born, Satan, you know, gives them a little bit more help, looks looks after them a little bit more, then it'd be like the Satanist and Satan versus the Sawyers. What if, yeah, what if Satan gives him a little help? In the form of just like strength. He's, the strength, he just, you know, sends a firebolt. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. That's possible. It's possible? Yeah, it becomes more complicated if Satan yeah. literally <laughs> takes part in the fight. Yeah. I'm, they could they could bring Satan's baby to the ring, and Satan might be like, "I, I gotta protect my baby." That's a good point. Yeah, mm-hmm. they could hold that over. They could use that as a yeah. That's true. That might also scare the Sawyers. They might be like, "What the? What is that?" Get them off guard, and then the other Satanists can sneak behind them and just be like, "Just kill them." Yeah, I don't know if the Sawyers are capable of killing babies and children. I don't know that I've seen that in any of the movies so far. But if the baby, baby. had, like... <laughs> cloven hoofs. Yeah, cloven hoofs and, like, claws and stuff. And you might be like, man, we're going to have to kill that baby. Yeah. The, the cook, might, the older yeah. brother, might be like, oh, yeah. It's going in the chair. But I think yeah. that might get them off guard a little bit. Yeah. And before they know it, the other Satanists can, like, sneak behind them, put them in a chokehold. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, it's a pretty good argument, and, and I get where you're coming from, but I think I'm still going to side with the Sawyers. I think... Uh, the, the, the idea that uh, Bubba, you know, the Leatherface, has like a huge chainsaw that could cut through a good amount of people pretty quickly. I don't know. I think, hmm. I think he, they have a tactical advantage, and they can take a lot of punishment as well. We've seen all three of those characters get hurt really badly and keep going. Mm. Yeah. You know, so just kick some old ladies in the chest. And it, <laughs> oh, <yeah. gasps> I, I think that's certain things. They just they would not pull punches. I think they would just be going for it, even though they're older. They would just be like, I don't care. Like you know, just we're, we're trying to win here. <laughs> Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> they probably even like the last one. They would get Grandpa to hit with a mallet. To, like, Come on, yeah. do it. Come on, Grandpa. <laughs> so it's an interesting matchup, but I, I do think the Sawyers would come out on top. So you say Sawyers? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say Sawyers too. I'll say Sawyers just because me assuming Satan is going to step in and protect them is just made up. I have no basis for that from the movie. <laughs> so you I'll say... You never know, though. Yeah. I mean, you never know. I think it's a good argument, but yeah. I just I still kind of... To stick within the confines of this game, I don't want to just make stuff up. Every time there's Every a time. magical option. Yes. <laughs> they have sorcery. So yeah. I will say the Sawyers. Hmm. Leatherface wins another round. Yeah. Yes. Defeated Frankenstein's monster as well. I regret to say... The Sawyers are the champs. I want the champ! I want the champ! Uh, we like to end every episode of the Half-Ass Horrorcast with a little segment we like to call What's Making Us Scared? Where we recommend things around the horror universe for our listeners to partake in. Who would like to start us off? Jeff has not thought of his yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go. Kia, do you have? Yeah. I. He's like looking at the DVD. <laughs> he's just looking at my bookshelf. Maybe Craig has a book. <laughs> 
Um, okay. I, bit, I went back and forth because I wasn't sure, but I, I, and I don't want to ruffle any feathers, but I will no. think, I, I mean, I think my What's Making Me Scared is that I learned that they're doing a remake of The Witches, which is, uh, was it 80s or very early 90s? Is that the one with the... Angelica Richard? Houston. Yeah. From the incredible imagination of Jim Henson and director Nicholas Rogue comes a fascinating new fantasy adventure. The Witches. I think it's very early 90s, right? If mm-hmm. or like so. 89 or something like that. But it was about a movie about like um, a boy that, uh, to be fair, I have not seen this movie probably in 20 plus years. So, but you know, he, go, he goes to a hotel and it ends up being, you know, they're witches. And they like children, basically. You should write those synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> so they're doing. They eat children, right? Yeah, that's they what eat children. Yeah, okay. They're doing a remake, and I think Guillermo del Toro is involved. I don't think he's directing, but I think he's producing or something. So that's a good name. Um, and uh, oh, what's her name? Um, oh, Anne Hathaway. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be. I'm supposed to know. Because we talked about it. Anne Hathaway, I guess, is the Angelica Houston character. So, yeah. Step down. But anyway, I'm kidding. She's fine. I can see her playing that character. But um, it's it's apparently going. The main character, the little boy, is going to be a, a black child. Which fine, obviously, I'm black. I support this. But it's supposed to take place in like 1969 Alabama. And so the, just, the previous one was modern day. It was like modern it day. Place when it and I think place. it's like in England or something, yeah. but or at least that's how the, the book was. But so I'm just I'm just concerned that it's going to be the witches are just like eating children of color or something. And instead of this fun children's horror movie, it's going to be this big message movie. Which I mean, I guess those are fine, but I mean, this was like a fun kids movie. Yeah. I think it should just stay a fun kids movie. It is an odd location change up, but I, I I bet it'll be pretty unchanged. That it'll essentially be, for whatever reason, set in the '60s in Alabama, but essentially be the same story. You don't think so? It's a very deliberate change, I guess. Um, yeah, it might possibly not involve race at all. <laughs> okay. The witches are just literally like. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm 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 leaving. I'm I'm. I'm leaving my mind open. One, I don't think it should be remade anyway. And it'll probably be CGI. And the original was very, was not. Oh, like makeup really cool and, and stuff. Yeah. Um, I'll leave my mind open. I'll leave my heart open. But I am a little concerned. I'm a little scared. So you're literally scared of the remake of Witches. <laughs> yes. Uh, Jeff, you want me to go? Yes. Okay. I've got a couple things. Uh, first of all, this Give day, one. <laughs> no, well, one is just kind of a, a, yet another note of accomplishment for our, uh, good friend, Ashley Blackwell. Oh. She is extremely accomplished. It's almost pointless for me to go at length about it, but she is a noted writer and film producer now. And, uh, she is now also going to be a professor. Oh, so oh. she is going to nice. be teaching a class at, uh, Joseph University, and it's going to be called Resistance Through Terror, hmm. Ought Horror Films. Interesting. And it sounds, yeah, it sounds really interesting, and it's just yet another uh, feather in her cap of just accomplishments over the years. And once again, it's really cool to see someone grow from the beginning when we're yeah. talking about her, things that are making us scared, and she's just, you know, 
taken off so much from them. I feel like my what's making me scared might conflict with (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Now I feel bad. It's it's good to have like different perspectives (laughs) and stuff. So, but yeah, Ashley, uh, congrats, continued congrats from HAHC. And uh, the thing that is making me scared in terms of recommendations is uh, Mad Love. I, a poor peasant, have conquered science. Why can't I conquer love? Don't you understand? You must be mine. The 1935 film starring Peter Lorre and uh, Colin Clive. It's one that uh, I've overlooked over the years, even though I'm a pretty big Universal Monsters guy and a big 30s horror fan. And it's directed by Carl Friend, who also directed The Mummy and Ghost directed, some say, uh, Dracula. The, <laughs> he was cinematographer on Dracula. But uh, it's from 35. You get to see um, Colin Clive kind of in his prime, get to play a more sympathetic character than Dr. Frankenstein, which was really cool. Peter Lorre is really... Uh, Lore. How do you say his name? Lorre. Lorre. Mm-hmm. Peter Lorre is amazing in it, and it's apparently his first like American film <laughs> for the most part. Yes. And uh, there is a... Uh, Peter Lorre t- plays like a mad doctor or whatever, uh-huh. and uh, he has a like a, a co-doctor or like an assistant uh, that's a young Asian man, and it kind of stuck out to me just in the thirties because uh-huh. he also he's just, not a caricature in the thirties, right. yeah. He just happens to be an Asian dude, but otherwise yeah. it could have been played by anyone. <laughs> and uh, but his name is uh, I, I'm gonna say Key Luke or K Luke, <laughs> um, who. Uh, is the the grandpa in Gremlins that sells Gizmo? Oh. So he went on to have a huge career, like in the seventies and eighties, yeah. kind of as an elderly Asian guy, right? Mm-hmm. He plays all these mystical characters and stuff, but mm-hmm. got to start playing just like a regular Joe Doctor <laughs> in uh, Mad Love. So just kind of a cool little aside, but um, highly recommended. I, th- I feel like it's been maybe just a little overlooked uh, mm-hmm. uh, by mainstream horror fans and stuff, and it's definitely worth your time. It's only 70 minutes, by the way, so you can <laughs> really squeeze it in pretty quickly. So, Where did you see it? I saw it on TCM. So, oh, okay. But yeah, Mad Love, 1935, starring Peter Lorre yeah. and Colin Clive. Not the Come Drew Barrymore, Chris O'Donnell 90s movie. You can also check that out, though. There's, <laughs> yeah, there's a bunch like of Mad Love too. Uh, <laughs> or TV the, shows and movies, <laughs> so... Or the Batman episode that introduced Harley Quinn. Hey. Really? There you go. All right. I thought of something. It's a stretch. (laughs) But hear me out. I have a podcast recommendation. The Dana Gould Hour. When I was on uh, the show Mob City, I said to Frank Darabont one day, and we were just talking about movies, and I said, interesting script violation of script rules. Indiana Jones, completely unnecessary in the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark. His job, to prevent the Nazis from getting the Ark. He fails. The Nazis open the Ark. The Ark defends itself, and the Nazis are killed. Indiana Jones, completely irrelevant to the entire movie. And he just looked at me and says, oh, you can't go pulling threads like that. No. <laughs> no, I, have a, I have a question for Jaws. Where's the Coast Guard? Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah right. It's like yeah. the recut version of yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark is just Dr. Jones just reading about this whole incident in Spain. <laughs> it's amazing. Because oh. he's a monster kid like us. It's uh, not a stretch. Yeah. Yeah, he has, uh, if you haven't heard his podcast, I'd recommend it. Like, he's just, he, my favorite part of his podcast is he does these little, like, audio essays. And uh, this week I, I was like, I, I would like to just get a collection of just those audio essays. So I've been cutting them out and 
putting editing them all together to I'm basically making my own version of Dana Gould's <laughs> podcast for myself. Those little segments kind of remind me. There was that guy that used to come on the radio. Is I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but he would be like tell a story, and then at the end, I'd be like, "And now you know the rest of the story." You know, where he would tell yeah. a story about so and so grew up by this name, and then he invented whatever. You know. Oh, yeah, I could have told you any other day. Was yeah. that yeah. local? Because it sounds familiar. No, it no was I think it was pretty national. Thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. But it was kind of like uh, it does sound familiar. homespun style. Like yeah. I think he was supposed to sound like you know. Yeah. Like a guy whittling, like, by the way. You know. And now you know the rest of our story. I remember that being like his kind of catchphrase. Mm-hmm. But those ones that Dana Gould does, he did a good one about uh, John Wayne, like that, where he, yeah. he's like, so-and-so was born, or he was born by the name, it was some weird name, and then it's he was Marianne like, or something. Yeah. yeah, he's like, but the world knows him as John Wayne, you know. Well, uh, oh, Paul Harvey? Paul Harvey. Paul Harvey, yeah. that's it. Yeah, uh, I'm Paul Harvey, and now you know the rest of the song. Uh, and Dana Gould almost always has, uh, it's either film history or horror-related. It seems yeah. to be those two things. A little bit of the punk rock scene kind mm-hmm. of has infiltrated the podcast in recent episodes. Yeah. But traditionally, he has uh, people kind of related to film history and yeah. horror movies and stuff like that. So. And he always does like a Halloween episode every year yeah. that's really good. You, um, you listen to it too, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Yeah, and it's called the Dana Gould Hour, but it's typically about three hours long. Mm. So, uh, But there's usually only one episode a month. Exactly. So it's yeah. not like, you know, you have like all this slog to go through. It's just basically that one episode is supposed to get you through, yeah. you know. Mm. And yeah. it, it I, you know, I break it up in segments myself, so... The most recent episode had um, the guitarist from the Pixies. I really enjoyed that one because yeah. I'm a Pixies fan. But um, but yeah, typically it's like you said. It's, uh, I don't know. He 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 mentions a he, lot of. He, he he's a, a big Ed Wood was, fan. So. Yeah, like haunted Hollywood. Uh, a person yeah. that wrote like a book about like you know places in Hollywood that are haunted. You know, he, mm-hmm. so he he does a really good job, I think, of pulling in guests that aren't yeah. your usual suspects. Because I feel like uh, if you get into podcasts, especially interview format podcasts, mm-hmm. like the same people are making the rounds. Yeah. And you can really double down a lot of times on the same comedians and actors. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool. He kind of goes outside the box a little yeah. bit. So. And uh, I met him once at a horror convention. So there's another connection. I met him. Just random, right? He's just walking. The yeah. Floor. I was I was at Monster Palooza a couple of years ago and my buddy and I were walking around and like I heard a voice I recognized and I turned around and he was standing there talking to someone. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, that's Dana Gould. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I kind of hung there on purpose waiting for him to finish <laughs> his conversation so I could be like, oh, excuse me, sir. And um, when he stopped talking, he was about to walk off. I was like, oh, excuse me, Dana. And he turned around. <laughs> like, Sorry, yeah. you <laughs> What? I thought you were gonna be like Mr. Gold. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mr. Gold, Mr. Gold, wait! It's me, your fan, Jeff Wilson. Um, I was gonna say real quick, Dana Gold also showed up in the recent Creep Show revival for sure. Right, yeah. So, so he's and he was in um, Tales of uh, Halloween. Tales of Halloween, yeah, 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 yeah. So he's he's definitely been around the yeah. block a little bit. He did Stand Against Evil as well. Yeah. That was a big, you know, kind of horror show and he was in another kind of indie horror movie that i saw i can't remember the name of it though it's called southbound we've seen that one it's an anthology right yeah oh yeah yeah i don't remember him being in it though i had to watch it again i guess yeah it's a pretty small part but that was when i started noticing i was like this dana gould is in a lot of horror stuff (laughs) yeah he he loves this stuff yeah yeah yeah. he always 
brings it back to horror no matter what yeah. they're talking about. It seems like that comes back up, so it's yeah. really cool. He mentions Ed Wood at least once every episode. <laughs> well, he, and he was a personal friend of Vampira, right? That's like, right, he, yeah. He, he like kind of was like her caretaker towards the end of her life. So Does he talk about like books ever? Yes. It, does yeah. yeah, he does a lot of book recommendations. Well, and he has authors ever, on the show, too. If you ever hear of a good book recommendation, oh. pass it on my way. I shall. Yeah. I shall. Hmm. So, so that's, a, that's it. That's Jeff recommends Dana Gould Hour. Check it out. And it's my turn to pick the movie. What will it be? I am going to choose Sweetheart. Oh, I knew that already. It's a new... <laughs> it just dropped on Netflix earlier. Well, uh, at the end of uh, 2019. So it's readily available. 2019's Sweetheart. Check it out and join us next time. Bye. Peace out. Are you sure? <laughs> Keep slamming that motherfucking evil! Oh. Yay! <laughs> okay. Yeah, sweetheart, it's a good movie. Thank you for listening to the Half-Assed Horrorcast. You can find us on Instagram at Half-Assed Horrorcast, Facebook at Half-Assed Horror, Twitter at H-A Horrorcast, and you can send us an email at halfassedhorrorcast at gmail.com or visit our website, halfassedhorrorcast.com. Yeah.